Hello, and welcome to another episode of Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. This podcast is a production of Beaver, the recognized expert in socioeconomic data for the state of New Mexico. I'm your host, Rayanne McKernan, and today's episode is going to be a little different than what we usually do. If you are unfamiliar with Beaver, we have a service called 4UNM. It's our economic forecasting service that we have been doing for over 30 years. This service provides information and analysis of economic trends that businesses and government leaders throughout the state of New Mexico need to identify opportunities, evaluate performance, and help them develop their budgets. We do this service four times a year, and our most recent one was at the beginning of August. And so what we're going to do today is play you a little snippet of Mo, AKA Acting Director Michael O'Donnell's presentation to those who subscribe to 4UNM. He's going to share recent numbers for New Mexico's economy and then also give a portion of his forecast. Enjoy. So the New Mexico current economic situation, and by the way, you'll see many of these things that I have on the, on the slide, at least the text parts are, are similar, similar, generally similar to our expectations last forecast. The difference is really that the near-term uh, data is a little bit weaker than expected. Some of the employment data came in a little bit weaker to end the year. So the fourth quarter QCW data and some of the CES data, uh, the survey-based data for the first part of the year is a little bit weaker than expected. So we have adjusted our expectations down for 2021 and had kind of a more, a little bit more of a, a, a bounce back in, in 2022 and 2023. Um, and as I'll mention at some point during the presentation, this forecast is revised down by the end of the forecast period a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit. It's the timing that's that shifted a bit, um, kind of pushed out basically a year compared to last forecast. So COVID-19 obviously is still a concern. Vaccines, as we know, are rolling out. New Mexico is doing better than most states. I'll have a slide that I've showed the last couple quarters here in a minute that shows what New Mexico looks like compared to other states. Unemployment insurance claims and uh, both uh, uh, really, uh, Really, the continuing claims are falling. The initial claims over the last couple of weeks have increased, uh, but the continuing claims generally have a downward trajectory. New Mexico is still performing worse than most states, and I'll show you slides on that in a moment. As I just mentioned, fourth quarter QCW data is now available. Uh, as we talked about the last couple quarters, in the second quarter, leisure and hospitality and other services lost about half of all of private sector jobs in the quarter. Retail trade and wholesale trade lost about 14% of all of the jobs lost in that quarter as well. The other sector that lost a ton of jobs, in addition to mining, as we all know, uh, the other sector is local government as tribal businesses contracted in the quarter uh, uh, and tribal businesses are kind of shoehorned into local government. In the third quarter, three fourths of the private sector jobs that were actually added back kind of on a quarter over quarter basis came from those sectors, not the local government, excluding local government, but the one other ones that I mentioned, but gains are generally slow. And in the fourth quarter, uh, there were quarter over quarter gains, but year over year jobs were of course lost. Oil has firmed in terms of price, 
prices around $70 a barrel and drilling is robust and production is high. And as I mentioned the last time, and again, we all know this as well, softening in production or price will obviously impact the state budget. Okay, so uh, as I've shown, I think the last couple of quarters, this is just a screenshot from the New York Times pulling data from the CDC. We can see on the left panel there in January, 2021, New Mexico was one of the top states in terms of getting at least one shot to folks. And also, and actually even in terms of getting two shots um, and the most recent data that I pulled, this I'm sure has been updated in the last week or so that I that I put the slide together. New Mexico was still one of the top states, although the rate at which folks are getting vaccinated seems to have slowed as we are kind of moving down the, the list here. We're still, again, one of the top states in terms of being fully vaccinated. And um, so there's that. That's, a, that's I think, good news. Um, good news in the sense that uh, it makes it more likely that, or I should say less likely that uh, there will have to be kind of restrictions put in place going forward that may hamper business investment and growth. And also the, the kind of the, the second side of that coin, which is hopefully gives people confidence that, uh, you know, it's relatively safer to get out there and actually engage in some of the economic activity that they were engaging in prior to the pandemic. Unemployment insurance claims by state. So these data just include the standard unemployment insurance claims, uh, and these are the continuing claims. And I've shown these the last several quarters, but the, the point here, and I'll, I'll kind of just without dealing with the actual numbers, because the numbers just, I think, help bolster the point. But the, the, the point here is New Mexico wasn't hit as bad as other states at the very beginning of the pandemic, but it's been very slow to recover compared to other states. So at the peak of the, the peak of the pandemic, and these, are, these data are monthly, I think in the past we had done kind of weekly, but just kind of to aggregate it to the months. At the peak month, May 2021, 12% of all UI eligible New Mexicans were on UI. So that's uh, basically right in the middle of the pack. Since May, UI rolls have declined by about 85,000 or about 90% of peak enrollment. Uh, only 12 states have kind of done better in proportion. We may, obviously we have lower numbers of people. We're a small state, so we don't have as many people working. So hence, we don't have as many people uh, kind of eligible for UI or who are not working. And we have relatively, even though it seems like we have a lot of people coming back is in percentage terms, only about 12% 12, 12 of states are kind of doing better, or 12 states, I should say. Looking at sort of a broader uh, description of unemployment insurance, this includes unemployment, it includes all of the, uh, the kind of the, the programs that proprietors or contract workers might be eligible for, as well as extended benefits. You'll see, and these data are, are, are the most recent data available. I think we got them at the end of last week. You'll see initial claims on the right. They've been they've had an uptick since kind of basically May, and then you see the continued claims kind of declining since July of last year. So the trend has been generally downward over the the, the last several months for the continuing claims. So um, there's that. Uh, obviously, the initial claims perhaps that's a, a, a cause for concern that they're increasing, but the fact that the continuing claims are declining suggests that people are leaving faster than they are joining. So I think that's kind of offsetting in terms of, in terms of the thinking there. 
this slide shows year-over-year -year change of uh, labor force. So these are levels by various regions of the state. So the various MSAs, also Lee and Eddy County, um, kind of that two-county region and the rest of New Mexico. You can see sort of at the beginning of the pandemic, the declines in the number of folks in the labor force according to these data. And then you can see basically a year later, an addition of folks as they rejoin the labor force. Uh, what I'll say, of course, as I say, sort of every time these data are subject to revision, they do get revised and it takes quite a while for us to uh, see the revisions be um, somewhat minor. And so it might be the case that uh, the number of people leaving the labor force gets revised in a way that it pushes things up or it's relatively worse or the number of people coming back in the recent months is relatively lower. But I think that the, the, big, the broader point here is of course, we saw huge losses at the beginning of the pandemic and through the middle and end term of the pandemic. Uh, and then a year later, we actually do see people returning to the labor force. So comparing New Mexico to all the other states, uh, these are the CES, the survey-based data, employment data that I was mentioning. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm indexing the employment levels for all the states back to January, 2020. So a couple months before the pandemic started, just to see uh, what percentage of employment um, we got back or each of the states have gotten back. You can see the red line, which is New Mexico, didn't dip as low as many of the other states. So New Mexico lost a smaller percentage of jobs that it had in January, 2020, but has been very slow, as I mentioned a couple of times to recover. 48 states have re recovered at a, great, a greater share of jobs than New Mexico. The only states that are worse are Alaska, Hawaii, Louisiana, and New York. In terms of jobs numbers, Idaho and Utah have fully recovered. It's similar to the last slide. These data are uh, survey-based. They are adjusted. They are revised. And so it could be the case that, for example, the states like Idaho and Utah, especially since they're relatively low population states, they tend to be most subject to revision, just like New Mexico. Uh, they may not have completely recovered, although the data at the moment suggests that they have. My guess is that they are probably doing pretty good anyway, uh, but maybe not quite as good as, as expected here. But uh, when these data are benchmarked back to the QCW, we'll have a better idea. <clears throat> increase, increase New Mexico field oil production presence. Currently, there's about 75 drilling rigs operating in New Mexico. I, I looked for the most recent data that I could find. I think there was actually 74 uh, rigs in operation. About 15 to 20% of all U.S. drilling rigs are drilling in New Mexico. So obviously, New Mexico, in terms of its drilling activity, is sort of punching above its weight. More than 10% of all U.S. field oil production is occurring in New Mexico. And that's up from about 4% in 2016. And then I have some data there just to help put these numbers in perspective in terms of the number of barrels actually being produced per day. Uh, New Mexico accounts for around 5% of all US gas production by volume. So whereas New Mexico is really kind of pushing ahead in terms of its oil drilling and extraction, gas production is sort of, uh, you know, hasn't moved as much, I should say. One of the things that seems to be the case is that the producers are moving to more efficient kind of in quotes production techniques and efficient here means they're able to produce more oil with fewer workers. So you can see that New Mexico mining 
kind of in quotes, jobs averaged about 20,000 in 2016, peaked to about 26,000 in 2019. And now as of the most recent data that I've seen, sitting about 17,000. Um, obviously there are reasonable labor demands for drilling, but production is deviating. Again, that is to say, even with these reduced number of workers, we're still producing more oil. So the amount produced per worker is very high. Fewer workers. So for local areas, if you're in kind of the Southeast part of the state in particular in Lee or Eddy County, fewer workers you have in that area that are working in these fields to spend in the local economy. Obviously there are negative impacts to associated industries. So other industries that have high association to mining in these areas include uh, construction. It includes wholesale trade. It includes transportation and warehousing. So these other sectors kind of almost directly impacted. And then of course, there's other sectors that are more indirectly impacted that provide support to those sectors. So things like accommodation and food services or other uh, uh, kind of uh, other services that would provide services to the people in that area. So as they've sort of migrated out or uh, stopped working or those jobs are not available, obviously there's less stimulus in that economy to in kind of that part of the, part of the, the state to, to prop things up. Obviously, from the state's perspective, the fact that production is very high and that oil prices has firmed, that uh, kind of puts a floor, so to speak, underneath their uh, kind of tax revenue. Um, so from the state's uh, point of view, fiscally, things are going sort of okay. Of course, they're going to be losing some of that personal income tax and all of that, but really the uh, royalty payments and, and the like are... are sort of much better now that production is high and price has increased. Okay, so comparing other sort of switching gears here, comparing various parts of the state in terms of uh, housing. So these are housing sales. These data are from the Mexico Realtors Association. You can see the various parts of the state. So Albuquerque, Farmington, Las Cruces, Santa Fe, Lee and Eddy, and sort of the rest of the state. So New Mexico minus those places both in terms of number of sales and comparing 2020 and 2021, and also in terms of the median sales price. So sales in most places have increased. The sales in Las Cruces, according to the data that they have there, are very low. I'm not, I'm still not sure why that is. I, I sort of suspect that it's an error, but that's the data from the most recent reports that I've seen. Year to date, statewide sales are up 13%. And median price is up 18% statewide from 225,000 to 265,000. So we're seeing increased sales and we're seeing increased price still. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens going forward. Uh, but obviously we've seen um, kind of this, what almost looks like it could be uh, bubble territory. And I know that folks are concerned within kind of the banking industry and within the housing industry. Switching gears again, these show taxable GRT, and it's looking at the first quarter of 2021 compared to the first quarter of 2022. The left panel is looking at uh, dollars, kind of in millions of dollars. Anything kind of to the left, the, the white bars are in negative territory. The right panel is looking at percentage growth over the kind of year-over-year -year growth. Bernalillo County is huge and saw positive growth, so you know, that's where a lot of the, the uh, kind of positive movement uh, was in a taxable GRT in the first quarter.
but you see these huge contractions in, in Lee and Eddy County, uh, basically, you know, pulling back in terms of the people working in the mining industry, pulling back the GRT and people spending money, et cetera, in, in that part of the state. Uh, you can see this is sort of uh, or organized by the uh, dollar amount. So Bernalillo, kind of the rest of the state that's not included in the named areas here in terms of levels, Sandoval County, Santa Fe, Torrance, Valencia. So many of the top ones here obviously are related to the Albuquerque MSA or the Santa Fe MSA. Um, Okay, so moving forward to the next slide, basically showing the same thing uh, in terms of what's on the left and what's on the right, except for now we're looking at by sector. So taxable GRT, first quarter of this year over second quarter, excuse me, uh, over first quarter of last year, it should be first quarter of last year. The sectors that have added most of the bottom line, retail trade, uh, healthcare, and to a lesser degree, the other things listed that are in the blue. The things really pulling stuff down, mining and information. As we've seen uh, really some of the, the industries in this sector, filming and the like, um, contracting over because of really the pandemic, filming activity slowing uh, and the, the purchases made in that industry being reduced at least in kind of the, 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 the span post pandemic, uh, pulling things down. Okay, so state recurring revenue. So this is June 2020 through March 2021. These data are from the LFC. Oh, the last data was from TRD. Um, so they're, they're gross receipts data. So from the LFC, uh, their revenue report, just to kind of walk through this real quick. So over the first three quarters of the fiscal year 2021, GRT pulled things down, a uh, reduction of about 1 point or 154 million also rents and royalties, so especially things related to the oil and gas industry, down 180 or so million. Those were really the big ones. We saw increases in, in personal income collections and, and uh, corporate income tax, uh, even mineral production taxes. Uh, but these are kind of the, the recurring revenues. And on net, obviously, things are, things are down um, for the fiscal year 2021 through March. Okay, so moving on to the outlook portion. So taking all of that information in terms of the historical data and taking in the information from the from IHS in terms of their projections and kind of running that through our model and making adjustments based on sort of what we know about New Mexico, this is kind of where we've landed. So the forecast now is somewhat less dependent on COVID-19 trajectory and more on business and behavioral responses in New Mexico. What I'll say to that is, um, there, because of the uptick in the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations, at least nationwide and the like, um, we say that it's less dependent on the COVID-19 trajectory, but I think that the rapid increase over the last, you know, several or at least week or two uh, makes me a little bit more um, cautious about that, that point. Um, if you look at IHS in terms of their projections, their baseline scenario kind of assumes that things generally go swimmingly. And that is what our baseline scenario is generally based on too. Their pessimistic scenario, on the other hand, assumes that there is a rise of a variant or a set of variants, that the number of cases increases, that we don't get to herd immunity, and uh, things are a little bit harder to control moving forward. 
And to me, that appears, at least at the moment, more of what we're looking at. That said, I'm not sure that even their pessimistic scenario fully incorporates all of those elements. I would say that our additional pessimistic scenario that we produce, our kind of so-called pessimistic two scenario, uh, better captures what that outlook might look like. So we produce for New Mexico, obviously the baseline scenario, we produce an optimistic scenario and a pessimistic, kind of a pessimistic one scenario, but we also have this kind of second pessimistic two scenario that I'll touch on when, when I get there. So there was a loss of about 89,000 jobs, nearly 90,000 jobs in the second quarter, and this is quarter over previous quarter, before recovering about 13,000 jobs in the third quarter and about 15,000 jobs in the fourth quarter. Um, this is quarter over quarter. These are QCW data that are not seasonally adjusted. So looking at things quarter over quarter is less than perfect. Um, if you look at things on a year-over-year -year basis, you'll see contraction in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. It's just the level of those contractions are much lower than the year-over-year -year contraction in the second quarter. For the year, for 2020, uh, the economy averaged down about 55,000 jobs compared to 2019. In this forecast, we're projecting that the economy is going to grow less than a percent in 2021 and then gain steam in 2022, about 2.8%. Uh, if you recall, looking at the IHS projections, uh, 2022 was kind of the peak in terms of the rate of growth. We're not anticipating rates of growth that IHS is for the US, slower, but definitely faster than our previous forecasts for 2022. And then growth is projected of about 1.5% per year thereafter, with the bulk of that growth kind of in the very, the, the nearer term, 2023, really. Economy uh, ends at 2019 levels in terms of employment by 2024, uh, basically on level with, with the level seen in 2019, just marginally above. This is the same as last forecast, although we are just a little bit lower this time. By 2026, employment some about 25,000 jobs above 2019 levels. I think we were about 30,000 jobs by the end of the forecast and the last forecast. Uh, as I've talked about, income patterns are slightly different. Strong growth in 2020 and 2021, some weakening in 2022 because that transfer growth is, will be pulled back and then accelerating slowly thereafter, about 4.7% per year. Obviously, there's some optimism as things start to open up, but as I mentioned, the variance could dash hopes, the rate or the increase at which people uh, are contracting the virus, or if hospitalizations go above a certain threshold, that is obviously concerning. Um, obvious, although slow growth after the recession, this is uh, what I said in the last quarter, it does seem to be that New Mexico is in better shape this time compared to the Great Recession. Uh, after the Great Recession, it basically took the state a decade to get back to levels in terms of employment that we were seeing prior to the Great Recession. But there is actually some news that there are businesses looking to invest in New Mexico or that already have and looking to expand. So that's good news in terms of uh, the economic um, kind of trajectory or expected trajectory going forward. One thing kind of pulling things down and uh, actually it's apropos uh, that we have um, our guest speaker today maybe can, can touch on this. Businesses are reporting having difficulty finding workers. Um, obviously, as we've seen in the news, there are some things that businesses are trying to do to attract workers, whether it's bonuses or 
um, you know, getting paid on their first day or the like. Um, there are things that businesses are trying to do to attract folks. The question, of course, is what's driving this and how long will it last? And we don't know. Um, but uh, hopefully that that is a trend that we can see turn around moving forward. <clears throat> okay, so in 2020, uh, I've put the sectors here uh, in terms of obviously it's read down by kind of makes and makes 11, 21, et cetera, uh, for not all of them, for most, for most industries. Um, you can see the sectors really kind of doing poorly in 2020, the ones that lost the greatest number of jobs, accommodation and food services, more than 17,000 jobs sort of on average for the year. Mining pulled things down about 6,000 jobs. And so whereas accommodation and food services is a large industry in terms of the number of folks working in it, uh, you have mining, which lost obviously a smaller number of jobs but lost about the same percentage of the workforce in 2020. And again, much of this is concentrated in really the Southeast part of the state. You also see retail trade, information, admin, healthcare and arts all contract the year. And as I talked about a little while ago, local government, partially because of things going on at the municipal levels or uh, local government, uh, directly local government or county government, municipal government type levels, uh, maybe not refilling jobs or the like, uh, you're also seeing contraction because of closure or temporary closures of operations at tribal businesses. So uh, once those get more up and running, and I know that they were supposed to kind of the beginning of July, the hope is that some of this will start to write itself moving forward. Compared to our April forecast, our employment growth projections, so our most recent forecast for July is the bars. The line is our April forecast. In this forecast, we pulled things down in the very near term and then pushed things up in the longer term, or excuse me, the middle term. And then the forecast is similar throughout for the remainder of the period. In terms of the various sectors that we're expecting to kind of push things ahead, at least over the four quarter period right after the pandemic. Um, so as I mentioned, nearly 90,000 jobs last in the second quarter. Over the period from 2020 quarter three through 2021 quarter two. So this of course includes data that we have in the books for the third quarter and fourth quarter of last year and our projections for the first and second quarter. Really the sectors that lost the most jobs uh, like accommodations, even healthcare and retail, they're the ones that are going to bounce back the most over that period, or that at least started to have started to bounce back. Um, other sectors we expect to still contract include mining and government. Compared to April, this is downgraded by about 7,000 jobs. We're expecting over that four quarter period, a gain of about 36,000 jobs, which is about 40% or so of the jobs that had been lost just in that second quarter. Moving on to the forecast by industry, 2021 through 2026, accommodation and food services, again, a large sector leads the way. Also healthcare and social assistance adding almost 10,000 jobs over the period. An area for opportunity as we talk about pretty much every quarter professional and technical services, that's the industry that IHS has expected to do very well um, over the last several forecasts. And projecting it to do well really over the period 2022 20, uh, through 2026. And for New Mexico, that is an area of opportunity that, that we've identified. We've been strong and historically, it was weak after the great recession as basically every industry was, 
but the years leading up to the pandemic, it really had strengthened and kind of come into its own. Also construction, about 5,000 jobs. Uh, the right panel that shows the, the growth, so total growth over the period. You can see some of the smaller industries that don't add tons of jobs like arts and recreation, uh, the growth rate quite high because there's not that many jobs there. Uh, mining kind of writes the ship over the period. And this is a, a change from our previous forecasts. We're actually anticipating some addition in the mining industry in terms of jobs, but not it will not get back to where it was prior to the pandemic by the end of the forecast. <clears throat> uh, so changes in terms of the personal income forecast, this isn't much different from last forecast. You can see the 17.9%. That's the most recent stimulus uh, and how it played out in New Mexico. Very rapid rates of growth. You see things slowing on a year-over-year -year basis until things go negative a year later and then stay essentially negative for the remainder of the year or flat. Basically, starting in 2023, we're seeing or expecting in income growth to average something in the neighborhood of about 4.5 to 5% per year or even on a quarter over or year over year basis, I should say. <clears throat> so I think this slide illustrates probably best what it means to have gained that uh, those transfers in 2020 and 2021. So federal transfers to individuals. So the stimulus payments, the unemployment benefits and the like, you see the, the bars represent the amounts or the growth added to income. So the kind of orangish color, that's transfer payments. You see those really large positive bars in 2020 and 2021. They more than uh, compensate for the loss of private uh, wage and salary disbursements. So as, of course, the economy contracted in 2020, fewer people working, uh, private wage and salaries contracted in 2020. You see transfers, again, more than making up for that. In 2021, with you know, modest wage and salary disbursements, you see transfer payments again making up the difference. And then you see that being pulled back in 2022 such that they're pulled back so much we end up in to total personal income with negative growth for the year. So while uh, wage and salary disbursements kind of get back to a more typical level or typical trend, uh, transfer payments are really pulling things back. And then 2023 and out, we start seeing, again, as I mentioned, a growth of somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half to you know 4.7 percent per year. <clears throat> okay, so moving on to some alternative scenarios. So in this forecast, as has been the case in the last couple of forecasts, the uncertainty is of course unprecedented. We don't only have to contend with the normal uh, uh, variation in the economy, the normal uncertainty there. We have to deal with uncertainty with respect to getting the virus under control. And so there is, or should be a pretty wide range of outcomes. Uh, when we run the IHS scenarios through our forecast, we don't really see that wide range, which is again, why we have this sort of pessimistic two scenario. Uh, the pessimistic scenarios of course face, uh, consider the challenges facing the state including access to federal loans or trend towards consolidation, perhaps some government budget cuts. Pessimistic two scenario, it's more of an L shape with an incomplete recovery by the end of the forecast, which we will see. <clears throat> so for kind of reference, this is IHS and their projections for GDP. 
Uh, and so the left side, this is real dollars. So billions of real dollars. On the right side, it's growth. And you can see, obviously, the optimistic scenario does better than the baseline scenario. And the pessimistic scenario does kind of marginally worse. You, you see in 2021 quarter two, where we uh, kind of achieved the level of GDP. So in terms of dollar, kind of real dollars, we're back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, but obviously, things diverge from there. In terms of growth, GDP growth, we can see on the right slide those same things. You see the trajectory for the optimistic scenario, much more robust in the near term, pessimistic scenario a little bit weaker, and then they all sort of converge in terms of the rates of growth from really early 2022 and out. Obviously, what we're kind of concerned with here is what does this do to the employment scenarios? So this again is IHS, and this should be uh, for July, not April, but this is the newest data that they have for July. Uh, the black line really here is uh, what does the jobs level look like under the baseline scenario, that the, the solid line, the black one. The optimistic scenario is uh, what do the jobs levels look like under their optimistic scenario, and what do they look like under the pessimistic scenario? And really what we have here is when do we get back to the levels that we saw prior to the pandemic. The optimistic scenario, we get back 2022 quarter two, the baseline scenario 2022 quarter three, and the pessimistic scenario 2023 quarter one. Uh, for New Mexico, things are delayed compared to that. Um, we don't see or aren't anticipating the rates of growth that IHS is in terms of employment. <clears throat> so again, how does this play out for New Mexico? We have four scenarios instead of three. We have an optimistic, a baseline, a pessimistic. Those are all run through using the IHS uh, kind of projections. And our pessimistic two scenario, which takes, which takes into account a trajectory that we sort of anticipate for New Mexico in a more worst case scenario. What you'll see here is that really New Mexico's optimistic and baseline scenarios are only very minorly different. We end up back to employment levels that we saw prior to the pandemic in 2019, in 2024. And it's really kind of 2025 under the pessimistic scenario that we end up at levels that we had prior to the pandemic. Obviously, the near-term rates of growth are slightly slower in the pessimistic than the baseline and optimistic. But generally, overall, the projections are pretty similar in each case. We felt, as I've mentioned a couple of times, that this doesn't really capture uh, the, the, the level of uncertainty related to the impact of the virus or these variants might have if there are additional closures imposed or um, kind of a worst case scenario. So that's what that last uh, kind of pessimistic two scenario is. In the pessimistic two scenario, actually, if you go and look at the data by on a quarterly basis that we send out, what you'll see is a very brief kind of double dip recession this is, I don't think that we've actually seen this before. That's kind of the way that it was modeled through this time. Uh, what that ends up uh, kind of causing is we end up with continued employment contractions in 2021. Um, and again, I think this, this is a, a lower kind of worst case scenario. Even if it's the case, I would suspect that the, uh, the uh, that COVID is relatively harder to manage than was expected, you know, a couple months back. I think it's it's harder for me to wrap my brain around the idea that we will end up 
in a situation where we continue to lose jobs in 2021. Although I think that this is a useful uh, case to consider. Um, the other thing I'll point out is that some of the, the most recent uh, CES survey-based employment data uh, for uh, the, I can't remember what month it is, but for the last couple months of the most recent quarter that we have, what we're seeing is year-over-year -year growth in that data. Again, these might be revised and changed moving forward, but the positive rates of year-over-year -year growth suggest that perhaps this is a little bit draconian in terms of its outlook. So moving on throughout the rest of the period, what we're seeing are rates of growth that are generally similar to the rates of growth that we would see under the baseline or pessimistic scenarios, but the pessimistic two scenario never really closes the gap such that by the end of the forecast window in 2026, we don't end up back to levels that we saw prior to the pandemic. And that would be more consistent with our experience that we saw in the Great Recession or kind of coming out of the Great Recession. <clears throat> and then just kind of to, to show you the various scenarios and how they play out for income, optimistic baseline, pessimistic and pessimistic two, these are nominal dollars. And uh, you know this is exaggerated because the scaling starts at 90 rather than zero, but just to kind of show you that the scenarios sort of fan out depending on the particular situation. So in the optimistic scenario, you have really what happens is you have sort of higher paying jobs and higher wage growth. You have better kind of investment income and the like. In the best pessimistic scenario, you have what's added are relatively fewer jobs and the jobs that are added are relatively lower wage jobs and uh, sort of worse outcomes, expected outcomes for the various other components of income that are keeping things relatively low. The pessimistic two scenario, of course, just it's sort of worse on every front. Well, that wraps it up for us here at Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. We hope that you found Mo's presentation informative. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Don't forget to check us out at Bieber, that's bber.unm.edu, or on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under at UNM Bieber. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.